Hello, everyone. Yes, that's friendly and nice. My name is Christopher. I'm new here, so kind of welcome to myself as well. Uh, so, <laughs> then quickly, my wife, if you can just stand, I just want to introduce you. That's my wife at the back, Lisa, and then my daughter next to my wife, Isla Rose, and then our one-month-old, five-week-old son on the right, Jonathan. So that's us as a family. We are new to Devonville AM. Not new to Devonville, but new to Devonville AM. We have recently relocated from Durbanville PM, so not very far. Uh, and especially now that this meeting is 12 o'clock, it's even closer to PM. So um, so this is like a Durbanville midday uh, congregation. Anyway... Just for the just for the time being, um, yeah, we. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story, um, and then or, or like, and and what happened in our lives the last six months, and then uh, that that gave that gave the inspiration, I think, for today's message, today's preach, which I've titled. Uh, and there's a picture there that uh, hopefully just gives a, a picture, an idea of what I, of where I want to go. Uh, it's called A House for God. Who, who thinks that is a kind of a nice house and you wouldn't mind staying there? Uh, I think, yeah, I think that's all of us. That's all of us. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to start off a little bit more personal and give the back, backdrop to, to uh, this whole idea, this whole concept, which I think is biblical, which is in the Bible. Uh, so about... Six months ago, or I think that's August August last year, let's say it like that because I'm not sure exactly how many months that is ago. Um, August last year, the Lord spoke to me very clearly. Um, I felt a drawing of the Lord like I haven't experienced in quite some time. And then the Lord said the following to me, Christopher, I'm going to renovate your house. And and I've read through my Bible enough to know that God wasn't speaking about my physical house. He was speaking about my, my life, my house, the spiritual uh, dwelling place that I am as a person for God to dwell in. So when God said to me, Christopher, I'm going to renovate your house, I, I had an idea and I understood what God meant when he said that. I forgot, though. That when renovation takes place, there's actually first a tearing down of stuff and of, of walls and a breaking down before there's actually a, a building. So I forgot that part of renovation because I'm not a builder myself. I'm not, that's not my speciality. My dad is a builder, so I, I've been on site, uh, on building sites and stuff when I was a child many times. So, but I forgot about that part. So when God spoke to me and said, Christopher, I'm going to renovate your house, I was kind of very excited. It's like I saw the new furniture in my mind, and I saw, I saw the flat screen TVs. I saw the, all the nice stuff. And I forgot actually that before we can get to that, God has to do a lot of work. And if I can say it like it is, messy work, painful work. So that was August. And then in September... We were at a lead elders camp. I was still leading the Devonville Evening Congregation. Um, there was a lot of repentance from elders, standing up, confessing sin. Um, and then about a week later, the Lord started really convicting me because I felt that there was sin. It wasn't hidden sin. I, I've, I've, uh, I've confessed it to another person, but it was undealt sin. 
I knew, I knew that what was the right thing to do. I had sinned in my life and I confessed my sin, but I hadn't dealt with my sin. I hadn't understood that actually my sin is a grievance to God. And, and, and I think that's such a danger for all of us is that we can treat sin, which I, we can treat sin very casually, but actually any sin in our lives is, is offensive to God. And I started actually for the first time grieving over my sin, understanding that my sin is something that God dislikes. My sin is actually something that is standing between me and God as long as I leave it undealt with. As long as I see my sin in a very casual way, my sin is offensive to God. And, and I started realizing that, that I needed to deal with, not just say I sin, but I needed to deal with my sin. I needed to get real about my sin. I needed to understand that my sin is offensive to God. And, and that's where a process in my life started where I started confessing my sin to my wife. I started confessing my sin to a leader that is over me. And a process started where I was disciplined as an elder uh, by the end of September last year. And I had to remind myself during the process that God spoke of this whole thing before the time where he said to me, Christopher, I'm going to renovate your house. I'm going to renovate your whole relationship with me. It's going to be totally new. I had to remind myself during the process of that word that God spoke to me because at times during the process, I was so miffed, I was so angry, I was so frustrated, I was so not happy about this whole situation. But I have only myself that I can say, Christopher, you got yourself in this mess. No one else. Definitely not God. Definitely not your... I'm, I'm responsible for the process I went through. And the Bible says not all discipline is painful in the moment, but it leads to life. It leads to righteousness. It leads to everlasting life and fruit. So I'm standing here today, not in the same place I was in the last six months. Um, I'm standing as a new person, as a new Christopher, that have, and I've allowed, eventually got to a place where I started surrendering in the process. For, at first, I was fighting with the Lord. But now, and then I learned it's no help. If there's one wrestling match, you cannot win. It's with God. So the best thing you can do is to surrender and to allow God to, to, to wrestle you down and to pin you down. Because in that moment, He does His greatest work when, when He has all of us surrendered. And so that gave birth to this, this message that I want to just share with you today. Um, so... Let, I want to read a scripture uh, because that's always a good thing to do. 1 Peter 2 verse 4 to 5. As you come to him, a living, I'm reading from the ESV, but I think the scripture on there is the NIV. Uh, is it under? Yeah. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So here we see in Scripture this idea of people forming a house for God to dwell in. And I want to explore that concept a little bit today. Uh, and I want to just 
share with you, I think most of us today are familiar with a smartphone, uh, and today it's quite normal for us to understand that we use apps. So I want to just share with you one of the favorite apps on my phone is called Airbnb. You know that Airbnb? So Airbnb is an is a app that you use to, if you're going somewhere or you want to go on a holiday or you're going away for work, you, wherever you go, you can search on Airbnb the area where you're going and there's people who are renting their houses out for you to come and stay in if you're going to pay. Obviously, you need to pay for it. So, so I've like, Airbnb is like I think five, six, seven years old. I've used it about four times like only like one time for like holiday and about three times for travel or work or whatever. So the so that's and anyone can put a house, you can put your house up in any or a room up or whatever a flat a house a room a, a bungalow a tent whatever you want a caravan you can put it on there and anyone can you put photos on there and me as a client or oh, I view your place and I decide I like your place. So I want to stay in your place. That's how Airbnb works. So I've only used it like four times. So that means four houses that I've stayed in. It's not my house. Uh, But I've saved on my Airbnb profile, my app that I'm signed in, I've saved like 100 houses for the future. If my life is going to allow for... I doubt that my life's going to allow for a hundred stays in another someone because I don't have that kind of bucks to do to do it. But I've got it there just for in case. You never know. And 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 there's something pleasurable about searching for nice houses like like that house that I showed you there. That that that's the kind of house that I would have saved on my on my my wish list. You know, so. Not the kind of house I can afford necessarily, but it's, it's on my wish list. So this idea got me thinking. So what if your life is, is a house? And let's just use your imagination just for a brief moment with me. What if God, Jesus, has got an Airbnb app and he's looking for houses to dwell in? Is, is your house in order... For Jesus to dwell in. For me, when I go through Airbnb, there's things that I look out for. If I'm going to pay to go somewhere or to rent a house, something that's really important for me and my wife is a nice view. Amen? If I'm, I'm paying rent to stay in my house, so if I'm going to pay extra to stay somewhere, it has to have a nice view. That's like, for us, like... So when I'm going in on Airbnb and I'm just looking for places to save onto my wish list because I've got no need now to go somewhere, but just to save, you know, just for in case, it's important when, if I go through the photos of a place and I see the interior is nice or everything, but if the people putting up their place is not showing me that this place has got a nice view, I'm passing your place. I'm, I'm not saving your place onto my wish list. Because if a place has a nice view, that's the first photo you put up of your place is the photo of the view because that's kind of the attraction point to what's going to make your place nice. So if a place doesn't have a photo first up of a nice view, then I'm not interested. 
unless I'm obviously going for work, then it's not necessarily the view is not so important. But if I'm going on holiday, that's I want a nice view. So it got me thinking, like, that's obviously, that's just my criteria. But, but what if God had an Airbnb app and He wants to dwell in your life, in your house? What is He interested in? What, like, what, what, what's the things that make your house, f- like, ah, oh God, I want to live in Sherman's life. I want to dwell in Brent's life. Or I want to live in Russell's life. What? And the good news is that we have the Bible to show us, to tell us the things that God likes and the things that God dislikes. So you and I have got no excuse to make our house dwellable for God. Does that make sense? So I want to briefly actually in in this idea, this concept of a house for God to dwell in, I want to use, I want to explain two two Christian, uh, two Christian concepts that I think is very important. Uh, And they are big words, but I'm going to break it down and try and explain it in very easy to understand uh, words. So these two words are justification and sanctification. Now they are big words and they can be confusing. But if we use this analogy of a house to live in, uh, I'm going to just use this analogy to explain these two concepts and then build from there. Justification. So you look at your life in terms of property. Let's say your life is a house. So justification means that God takes ownership of the property, which is your life. And then from day one, God has got a blueprint New plans drawn up ready. The day you get saved is the day that God comes to dwell inside of you. And he's got the blueprint for the new you that he's going to build immediately approved and the resources immediately released to do that. So that house, maybe uh, Ruan, you can just put up that photo again. So you get saved. You might be coming from a, a really broken, falling apart house. But the moment you get saved, God hands into the Father, Jesus hands to the Father a blueprint for that. Amen? But that doesn't mean the day you get saved, your life looks like that. So there's a process. The plans are approved for that. Day one, you get saved. The plans are approved. The resources are approved. Everything is in place. For you to become like that, but then sanctification is the part where you go, come from this broken, falling apart house into this beautiful mansion that people want to go, oh my word, I want to live in that house. So that's the difference. Justification, day one, the plans are in, approved. Sanctification, the process from the falling apart house to something like that. So I want to build on this. So Psalm 127, it's not on there, starts with this. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders build in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders build in vain. And that's the question I want to pose to us this morning is this. Is Jesus still, or just is He, the builder and the architect of your life? Because I find myself 
where we live, in this part of geographically where I live, I find myself surrounded constantly with people who are building nice houses, nice lives, without God. I'm bombarded every day with people who live nice lives without God. So why should I then bold, allow God to be the boulder of my life if I can build a nice life, a nice house myself according to what I like? Why is it necessary for me to step back and to say, God, I want you to be the builder of my life? Why is it necessary? I think that's an important question. And I want to say the reason is this. The reason why you and I should step back and allow God to be the builder of our lives, why, why we go through all of some of the troubles that we go through, the obedience, suffering, all those kind of things. The reason why we persevere and why we allow Jesus to be the builder of our house is because of this. Only Jesus can build a house that will uh, persevere through his own judgment. Only, in other words, only Jesus can build an eternal house. If you are the builder of your own house, your house will not withstand God's judgment. Only Jesus can build a house that can go through God's judgment unscathed. If we build a house for God, try to build by ourselves without His help, we will end up with a house that gets burnt down through flames. Because only Jesus can build a house that stands through judgment. 2 Chronicles 3 verse 5 to 7. This was in my weekly reading and I thought this was actually, you know that, those, that part in Leviticus where it's like really hard to actually read through everything because it's just, it seems like a lot of unnecessary information. Or was it just me? Leviticus? <laughs> But uh, and those kind of those kind of passages in scripture. But here's one: two Chronicles three verse five to seven. Uh, it speaks of the the building of the temple. It says the nave he lined with cypress and covered it with fine gold and made palms and chains on it. He adorned the house with settings of precious stones. The gold was gold of parvaim. So he lined the house with gold gold its beams, its thresholds, its walls, and its doors, and he carved cherubim on the walls. And something that just triggered uh, is for me, when God builds a house, the materials that are used in building that house is for God actually very important. That's why the Old Testament goes through grave, and sometimes for me just reading that, unnecessary it seems, but it's in the Bible. So God is actually telling us something through all those what seems to be unnecessary information for the average reader. And it's like, oh, God, do you really want me to read through all the, like, exactly the length and exactly. But what I've realized is it's in the Bible and God is teaching us something through it. That the details and the materials and the length, the specifics in, in God, when God is building a house, is actually for God very, very important. And you and I would be foolish to think that we can build a house for God through our lives without His help and think He's going to like it. 
God is very specific in how He wants our lives to be. And the reason is why He's so specific. It's because it's for Him. That's the good news. It's Jesus wants to dwell in our life. That's why Jesus came to me August 2020 and said, Christopher, the way that you are building your house, it's not fit for me. And that was kind of shocking to think that, like I've been, thought, I was thinking that I've been doing a really good job at allowing Jesus to be the Lord of my life. But that was a wake-up call for me. And I realized that, Christopher, you, you think you're building a house for God, but you're building a house for yourself. Jesus isn't comfortable in, in your house. He, he, the reason he said to me, Christopher, I'm going to come and renovate your house, because up the way that I've structured my life and doing my life and building my house was not the way God wanted. So he had to intervene, and that's what he does. He loves his children too much. God loves you too much to allow you to keep building your house according to your own understanding. He's going to come and he's going to say, stop. I'm going to rest. I'm going to restore. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be the one. I'm the builder of this house. Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders build in vain. Let me just check my time. I want to honor the time. Uh, I'm doing, that's, that's been one of my massive challenges and I'm, I'm doing well so far, so <laughs> patting myself here on the back. You see, the last 15 years of my life, that's, I started serving Jesus in 2006. I gave my, my life to God when I was 16 years old. So if you want to do the math, I'm 30, uh, still young. So the last 15 years of my life serving Jesus, I cannot think of a moment where I deliberately wanted to to take the reins from God myself. There's, there's not been a moment that I can think of where I deliberately wanted to say, you know what, God, thank you very much. I'm going to do this myself. I cannot think in 15 years that I've deliberately wanted to do that. But I can think of 110 times where I did somehow through my actions, through my attitude towards the Lord, where I said somehow, God, I think I'm going to choose my way on this one. And I think... Well, I believe that, that that's actually more dangerous than saying, you know what, God, I'm, I'm not interested in your way. It's when you think you're doing it God's way, but we're actually doing it your own way. It's more dangerous when you actually say to God, you know what, God, I'm not interested. Because that way, God can actually quickly come and say, look at, look at what you've done by yourself. But when you think you're doing it God's way, but you're actually doing it your own way, then it's when it's very dangerous. And God had to intervene in my own life. And yes, where I'm going, I want to read another scripture. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3. Who of you are interested to know what is the will of God for your life today? I've got good news. The Bible tells us. 1 Thessalonians 4, 4 verse 3. It is the God's will. Amen? So after today, you've got no... Excuse, this is God's will. You know it. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Amen? That, that deserves an amen. amen. It's not me. It's the Bible. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. And then it continues to go on and, and list other things. But I want to focus on that first part. It is God's will that you should be happy. No. 
Who said no? Thank you, Sue. Sue survived the test. It is God's will that you should always be in a good mood. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. It is God's will that you should never suffer. It's not what it says. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. And I learned the last six months, that is a truth that I forgot. And God reminded me the last six months. Christopher, my purpose for your life is not so that you are successful, not that you are happy, not that you flourish all the time. My purpose is that you become like me. Christopher, my purpose for your life is that you become sanctified. Because God is the one who's got the blueprint for that beautiful mansion. And it's God's will for your life to get you there. And I found that God is not so picky about whether this work or that work or whether you live in this year or that. Those things are not, not important. But God's will is that you become sanctified. That He gets you from this day one, this falling apart house, and He transforms you into this beautiful house where God can dwell. And the thing is, when God builds this beautiful house where He can dwell, he, when He builds this house, there's room for other people in that house to come and find Him. But when we build our own little houses, we tend to build not with space for others in to encounter Jesus. And that's the big, and in my own life, that is the big difference when I know when I'm building myself or when I'm allowing Jesus to build, is when Jesus builds, there's room for others to encounter Him in my life. When I build by myself without His help, I find I'm very selfish and it's just about me. Hebrews 3 verse 6, Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house. If, there's an if, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. I want to tell you today that God is faithful to bring you from this falling apart house to the mansion that he's planned. And it's not a mansion, I must say this, it's not a mansion where you go, oh, look at me, I'm this nice house. No, when you become that mansion, it's a mansion in humility. It's a mansion that says, this house is not for me, it's for others. Christ is faithful. Say that with me, Christ is faithful. If, if you remember anything today, remember this, Jesus is faithful to Finish what he starts. If you are sitting here today and you feel like your Christian progress, your, your growth as a Christian has been stagnated, I want to give you good news today that Jesus is committed in finishing what he started. Philippians 1 verse 6. I'm, Paul is writing, he's saying, I am sure of this. I'm confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus is faithful. Jesus is able. Jesus is the master builder. All things in our lives, good or bad, 
Jesus is able to take it, the circumstances we find ourselves in, He is able to use it somehow to His advantage, somehow to take you from the falling apart house. He's, he's able to use all your circumstances to bring you to that mansion that He's got in plan for you. Amen? That's, that's the story of my life the last six months. It has been a lot of kicking down doors and a lot of breaking down walls in my life because I thought I was having this nice house for God where actually God said, no, I don't like the way that you've been building your house. And so I had to go, sorry, look, and, and I, when, he, when I started to see it, I'm like, oh my goodness, what have I done? Because I, I believe that my life's purpose is to serve God and to live flat out for Him. And so I was actually quite surprised to learn that, and, but it was a beautiful wake-up call for me to realize that unless, the only way that God builds this house is if I, every day of my life, yield my life to Him and say, God, here I am. The materials that God wants to use to build this beautiful house is to, say, it's to wake up every morning and say, God, I don't have those materials. I need you to come and do this. I, I, I'm not able to build what you have in mind for me. You, I need you, God. And so if I can go with this preach somewhere, it's to, it's to bring us, all of us, to a place of saying, Lord, I surrender. Lord, I yield my life. Lord, I recognize that I am not able to build the house that you have in mind. So I come before you humbly and I recognize that maybe that I've built a couple of walls that I shouldn't have built. I've put in doors and windows in places where you did not want windows and doors. So Lord, come renovate. Come Lord, come break down what needs to be broken down so that this house can glorify your name. And I want to actually say this. I've been speaking in a personal, like an individual way, but actually... I think this preach is even more applicable to us because the Bible says you're a living stone. So the only way that we actually get to be a house for God's glory is if all of us do this together. Is if all of us lay down our idea of what a house should be like and we say and we come together corporately and we say, God, we want to be a house for your glory. Amen. So let's pray and I think can I call the worship team up so long and then we're going to pray and we're going to worship Jesus.